Welcome to In the Stacks from the Half Hollow Hills Community Library. We're talking about the stories we love because we think you might like them too. From bestsellers to old favorites to undiscovered gems. We talk about it here so that you can find it in the stacks. I'm Charlene and Ellen is behind the mics today helping us with a podcast. And I'm a librarian here at Half Hollow Hills, and Chris Garland, who we've been interviewing with some of his great films from his art house cinema discussions, and his nonfiction book discussion called Reader Select, is here to join me as a moderator. So welcome, Chris. Thanks, Charlene. So today, um, I'm going to talk about um, a book that's quite popular, and um, the title is When Breath Becomes Air by a neurosurgeon, and you've probably heard a lot of hype about it, Paul Kalanithi, um, a Indian-American. And um, I have two books. Um, people said, oh, they're so depressing. But in a way, I think they're very uplifting, and we get our, um, our will maybe to um, thank all the blessings that we have and how we can overcome things personal things. Um, in when, when Breath Becomes Air is about a neurosurgeon. He's 36. He's finishing up his decade, I tell you decade, 10 years of um, learning to be a neurosurgeon. And um, he's diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Is this a fiction or nonfiction? It's a memoir. It's a oh, biography. Okay. He's actually... Um, when um, his father, he was when he was a young man, his father was a cardiologist. Uh, they lived in Westchester and decided to relocate to Arizona, and um, that's where he grew up. And he really had a love of literature and prose and writing. And um, he always decided that after he decided to become a neurosurgeon, when he went to Yale Medical School, he wanted to write, and he figured he'd do decades of being a neurosurgeon. And then he would write. Um, what happened was he was cut short with this diagnosis. And his dream still lived on, even though, you know, now he was the patient. You often hear about the doctor becoming the patient and the patient become. And um, it was a hard role for him to let go. There was one point where his oncologist said, if you decide to let it go, I'll be your doctor. You know, because what he was doing was he was reading up on a lot of his treatment. And there was a point where he had to relinquish the fact of not being a doctor. And he has his ups and downs on um, what it is. And when he was a neurosurgeon, he was dealing with a lot of patients with these issues. Um, and how difficult it is to um, even accept death of the patients. And he does quote in the book about one of his friends um, lost a patient, and he really couldn't handle it emotionally, and ended up jumping off a building and committing suicide. So these people carry these things within them, but he was never ever to, able to relate to to death. And um, he relates to the illness. The patient relates to what are the ramifications of this illness. So with that, um, we hear about his life, and this was post. This was um, written. He asked his family, promised his family, asked his family to promise him to um, have this book published after his death. So what happens is reading this brings to mind another book that I read. It's got to be nine years ago, um, called The Last Lecture by Randy Posh. And let me remember what his. Um, 
he got a lot of awards from academia and industries. He was a Car Carnegie Mellon um, professor. And what happened is um, a lot of professors at a point are asked to do a last lecture. And what that last lecture is, is um, telling people if you had to do it or if you had some sage advice and to tell people what do you want to do? What, what, um, in, what, let me see, I, I'm trying to explain to if you had a message to say, what would it be? So um, Randy had gotten a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer the year before, and a year later he was found out that it was terminal, it was metastasized. So he decided he was going to do the last lecture. And his book actually ended up to be a result of his last lecture. So if you um, Google him, you put it on YouTube, you will see the last lecture. And how he talks to people about um, how he'd prefer to have a cancer diagnosis to being hit by the bus and dying. Because this way he's able to prepare himself and his family for what's going to come down the pike. Um, and at this last lecture, he tells people, he don't feel sorry for me. And he said that he's really happy um, in what his, some of his choices are. And he actually did push-ups to show people how strong he is. And he talks about how he was um, very happy that his mother was able to let him paint on the wall. Um, he wanted to work for Disney. Um, and he did a little stint with Disney. Um, he did zero gravity. Um, he did something with football, so he was able to accomplish a lot of dreams, but it was quite riveting, and I think, you know, people go, these things are so sad, but I think you take away more with what they triumphed and how they look at death and what they feel, and I just have one little quote from um, the book, When Breath Becomes Air, and I just wanted to read that just a moment, and... The author Paul goes, I begin to realize that coming face to face with my own morality, in a sense, has changed nothing and everything. Seven words from Samuel Beckett began to repeat in my head, I can't go on, I'll go on. So you really admire these two gentlemen. So if you have a look, um, When Breath Becomes Air may be in the stacks, but I'm sure you'll find the last lecture. So I wanted to thank Chris for staying with us Thanks again for as having moderator. Me, and I'm Charlene, and Ellen, of course, is behind these mics. And we're librarians from the Half Hollow Hills Community Library. And if you're looking for us, you'll find us in the Stacks or... In the Stacks, podcast, wordpress.com. Thank you.